everybody's so quiet. It seems like you're in a math class <laughs> and you're going to get your math test. And everybody seems so nervous and quiet. Or maybe I'm nervous. I think that's it. <laughs> no. But I just want to thank all of you for coming here today, giving up your Saturday, which I know that's usually what, laundry day, spending time with the family, doing all the things that you need to get done because of your busy week. So thank you so much for spending your time with us. And um, I hope you enjoyed your meal. Uh, I want to thank the ladies. And before I get started, I just want the ministry team to stand up, please. All the ladies in the ministry team, please stand. You know who you are. Mary, you are part of it, so stand. But um, these ladies work hard, putting stuff together, making me look good. (laughs) And I am so thankful for them. I am so blessed. Um, You know, I was telling someone, some of these ladies have been on the ministry team for, what, eight maybe longer than that. And we only have two new additions, which is Chelly and Christian. And they just jumped in and they work hard. And I just want you all to see how much they've done, not just for today, but for all the women events we have. And they work hard. And um, the men, don't they look neat in their ties and white shirt? <laughs> I tell you <laughs> what they do for us, huh? But thank you. And I don't want to forget a special person, Carol, who did all those beautiful cupcakes. Thanks, Carol. I don't even, oh, there she is. But she did all those cupcakes for us and things. But, you know, again, we are so blessed. And, of course, Lorna doesn't, she actually, she never tells us no. She always comes. And we thank you for coming, Lorna. Thank you. So today, um, we're going to look at Mark 8, 34, 35. And you know that song Lorna sang, the last song, that just really hits home, doesn't it? That are we ready, ready to take up our cross and follow Jesus? Even though we may say we know him, but really, what does it really mean? So we're going to look at a passage, and please listen as I read from Mark 8, 34, 35. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. Let's pray. So, Father, we do thank you for this time today. Thank you, God, that you're a God of mercy, a gracious God. Thank you, Lord, for blessing us, for providing for us, Lord, and for always loving us. Lord, I pray as we look into your word today, God, that you, Lord, would work in our hearts. It's not me to convict anyone, but it's you, Lord, that would convict our hearts and draw us closer to you. So, Lord, we thank you for blessing this time. We ask, Lord, that as you go forth and bless us with your word, Lord, that we'll leave this place even closer to you. And we praise you in Christ's name. Amen. So, as we want to understand the context of these verses, and here in Mark 8, 
Jesus shared with his disciples about the Son of Man, and that was in verse 31. And suffering many things and would soon be killed. Now we all remember Peter protest to our Lord's words of impending suffering and death. Of course, he doesn't think that the Messiah will suffer. He, he can't even fathom that. And he said this plainly in verse 32. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Rebuke Jesus, who he think he is. Huh? But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. Wow, can you imagine someone telling you that? That would be awful, huh? But Jesus, he doesn't mince words, does he? For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. <clears throat> so if we are honest, we all acknowledge having a little Peter in our own lives, huh? Thinking at times we know better than God. But we don't. We really don't. Setting our minds on the things of man and not, the thing, and not on the things of God. But sooner or later, God will get us. He'll get us. He'll fix it. Beloved, no one, and I mean no one, there is not one soul who, will, who can thwart the plans of God. We think we can, but no one, not one can thwart the plans of God. So these verses, they contain some very hard words because God, Jesus Christ is not going to let Peter rebuke him. He's God. He knows everything. He's perfect. So we know Jesus Christ doesn't fool around with his words. He's straight to the point and very serious. And as Christians, we should be serious. We shouldn't fool around with our words. We should say what it means. Of course, with compassion. With Jesus, there were no favorites among the disciples. He didn't use soft and daring words for some and harsh words for others. His message was always clear and to the point. You know, he came here to save a lost and dying world. He had no intentions to embrace nonsense or even water down his scripture. Because it's his scripture, not ours. Today, I want to take a few moments to share with you what I trust will help, will be some helpful insights from two familiar verses in the Gospel of Mark, what we just read. So, I would say I've heard there may be 238,857,000 steps from the earth to the moon. Doctors tell us, and I heard Destin tries to make sure he walks his 10,000 steps a day. <laughs> Who has a Fitbit here? Everyone probably has a Fitbit. So you can walk for what? Life, healthy life, but it doesn't help you to eternal life, right? So from our house to Jeddah Street, from Je on Jeddah to the church, that's 3,300 steps. And then from, from the first step to the Eiffel Tower is 704 steps up there. So you're wondering, well, why is she talking about steps? Well, you'll, you'll hear about it. As we look at these two verses in Mark 8, Jesus gives us three steps to life. For Jesus, the phrase is not get a life. Many of us, and I know I've done that before, <laughs> use that phrase to joke around. 
But sometimes people use that phrase to what? Insult someone. And, and it's not good, you know. So, but what Jesus said was, get life. He didn't say get a life. He said, get life. Remember what Jesus himself said in John 10, verses 10 through 11. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and life abundantly. I'm the good shepherd. <clears throat> the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He said that. And he talks about that life he's talking about is eternal life. Someone said that the most counterfeited item is not currency or an Italian handbag. We all love our handbags, right? And, but a lot of those can be counterfeit, right? But it is life, and it will always be life that is the most counterfeit. All around us, we are sold. We are pressured. We deceive ourselves with a vision of life. The new um, workout series came. Every new thing. You know, I love doing Leslie Sansom. But I tell you what, that lady has so many DVDs. I get confused which one to use at sometimes. But still, it's not going to help me get where I want to get if I don't know Christ. See, so there's always something new. Um, we deceive ourselves with a vision of life, a vision for living that is sometimes fake and fragile. We think that if we do um, get cosmetic surgery, um, new style of clothes, which there's nothing wrong with clothes. Just understand that. <laughs> nothing wrong. I'm not saying that. But, you know, if we want to do something to make us look better, different, the new makeup they're wearing, everything, we think that would what? Give us better life. But that's not true. There's only one that would, can give us life eternally, and his name is Jesus Christ. If God is void in our life, there is no test that can stand up to him. In our text that we just read, did we hear Jesus talking about life? When Jesus spoke about life, he was not talking about us simply existing, or this is your best life now. Because we've heard that, right? That's the new thing. This is your best life now. But they have no idea. Maybe it is their best life now because they don't know what they're going to meet later on. So, but Jesus is talking about eternal life. So let us dig deep in these verses and see what he's talking about. So Jesus is three steps to life. He said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Boy, that's a hard one. Even those of us who are believers for a long time, it can be hard. Because we have to deny ourselves. We are selfish people. We don't like to give up anything. You know, the pastor this Sunday talked about seats. That is my seat you're taking. You're sitting in my seat. Sometimes we can stare down the person who is sitting in my seat. Right? And because it belongs to me, give it up. It's not your seat. So, self-denying. Are we pursuing Jesus the way we should? So, to deny means to give up everything in order to get life. In John 14, 6, Jesus said what? I am the way, 
I am the truth and the life, and no one, no one can get to the Father except through me. John 17, 3, he said, And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. He's eternal life. There's nothing else. I love my husband to death, but he's not my eternal life, and neither am I his. Here in our text in Mark 8, when he said in verse 35, For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Isn't that kind of confusing? When you think, wait a minute, whoever saves his life will lose it. But then whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. It's different there, huh? What, What is he saying? Well, this is not about losing your life and finding Jesus. First of all, I want to make it clear, (laughs) Jesus was never lost. So when you say you find Jesus, I don't know what Jesus you found, because he was never lost. He found you. You didn't find him. The scripture may have said, seek me and you will find me. What it means is that, hey, I'm here all the time. You call upon me. I'm here. I'm not anywhere else. Jesus is there. He's never lost. So remember that he's the one that finds you. He's the one that will call you. So don't ever think that you you have to find him. In Mark 14, Judas betrayed Christ for what? 30 pieces of what? Silver, right? Whereas Peter denied him three times. Here these men, they walked with him. They ate with him, they slept with him, they spent time with him, and probably laughed, shared a few stories, and yet they were not faithful. And these are men who've witnessed him, who've been there with him. One was because of greed, and the other one was a fear. What makes it different for us today? We do the same thing. We do the same thing. We are, we're scared. We don't tell the people tr- the truth because we don't want anybody to, be, um, to laugh at us. And that's the problem today. The gospel call to self-denial. That means we should be repenting of our sins daily, giving up things that replaces our time with the Lord. How many times we do that? I mean, we're watching a show. I like to watch comedies. And I know I should get up and go read my Bible. But I know I need to go study. But I want to watch that comedy. And you're being convicted. Stop right now and go. We, we're selfish people. You know, we want to hang out with our friends instead of coming to church on Sunday. We want to go do things that takes the place of where we should be with the Lord. Now, we can get very legalistic or either cheapen grace with our lives, the do's and the don'ts that make us religious or makes us no different than the world. The Lord has provided this beautiful earth for us many pleasures to enjoy 
but are these things dictating the way we as Christians should live? When we don't deny ourselves of the things that hinders our walk with the Lord, it simply states that we know better than him. Why we need him? We don't, because we have everything. You ever hear, um, you will hear people who are very um, self-sufficient, who has everything, they work hard, they got the house, the two-car, maybe four-car garage, all this stuff, but they don't need Jesus. Because why? I got it myself. I got it. But they don't see beyond that. They don't see that they're, where they're going to spend eternal life. Because a lot of them don't even believe that there's a heaven and a hell until we tell them. Until we, we confront them with truth. And that's what we need to do. Um, <clears throat> when we don't deny ourselves like I say we hinder that walk and we think we know better than him but how many times we have said Lord I love you so much Lord and I'm going to do whatever you want me to do I promise you Lord your desire is my desire how long did that promise last not very long did it maybe five minutes maybe the next day when something you think comes along that attracts your attention Please understand that denying yourself doesn't mean to sell everything and go live as a monk. I'm not telling you that. It simply means do not put anything before Jesus. And it's, I would say, in the state we're living now, it's kind of hard. People working hard. You have to have two people working. Um, you, your children is at school. You get so busy with things. But I just want to say... Stand back and take, take a deep breath and wonder, Lord, how can I put you before all these things? Sometimes we fill our lives with too many things that doesn't need to be filled. And we forget who gives us life. As believers, we have to be ready to follow Jesus on his terms and not ours. Are we ready to break away from the world? The things the world has to offer us our old life are we ready to turn to God from the lies from idolatry you know there's a false teaching that go that has been going on even before I became a Christian and it's still going on today it says we can accept Jesus as Savior now but not as Lord we can do that later that's a lie from the pit of hell I believe Verses 34 and 35 spells it out very clearly for us. First of all, it is God who saves. When he saves, believe it or not, we are strapped in totally. Because we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Okay? So we know we're strapped in. So there is no waiting later to submit to him as Lord. If the world cannot see a change or recognize the difference in our lives, in our past life and our present life, then we really need to examine our life to see if we are in the faith. So when you hear someone say, well, I'm a believer and Christ saved me, but I don't have to submit to the Lord now. Tell them, show you scripture, chapter and verse, because I don't see anything there. Because we are totally sold out for Christ when he, when God saves us by his grace. 
To deny yourself is to give up everything that takes the place of Christ. Are you ashamed of telling others that you're Christian? Are you acknowledging who he is? Not denying yourself and the things that hinder your following Christ is sin. We have to remember when we don't deny ourselves and there are things that are hindering us from following Christ is sin. We have to remember that. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. So we, we have just completed self-denying. Well, let's look at the second step, cross-bearing. Well, what is it to take up one's cross? All of us laugh about this. Oh, I have my cross to bear. You wouldn't have a clue what it is. Well, that's not the cross he's talking about. <laughs> Our cross-bearing is not what the Bible is talking about. Many people would use their illnesses as a cross to bear. Or their unbelieving spouse, or their co-workers, children, or whatever difficulties they're having in their life. Oh, that's my cross to bear. That's not what Jesus is talking about. Beloved, the cross, it means humiliation. It means suffering. Back in verse 31, Peter could not even fathom a suffering Messiah. Michael W. Smith wrote a song, A Cross of Gold. I'm sure most of us here yeah, at that time know that song. <laughs> this is the chorus. For some, it is simply something to wear around your neck. Just a chain, jewelry, is it a decoration? Is it an icon or proclamation? An icon of what? For some, it is simply to wear around your neck, but it means more than that to me. And I hope that cross means more than that to you. At one time, I remember people were giving me crosses left, right, and center, and I don't know why. But I don't know if they think because, you know, I'm a Christian, I'm supposed to be getting all these crosses. But people look at crosses for a different reason. Do we look at the cross in awe of thanksgiving, or do we look at the cross without remembering how Jesus Christ suffered and died for us wretched sinners. And yes, I am saying we are wretched sinners. That's who we are. Taking up our cross is to be ready to give up our life for him. Jesus used the cross as a way for us to follow him. It's an instrument of death. Are we seriously ready to die for our Lord if the time comes? It means to die a painful and shameful manner as Jesus did. Are you ready to withstand persecution? Are you ready to be humiliated? Are you ready to be mocked? And are you ready to stand alone for Christ when that time comes? Even that means being abandoned by those whom you love? Those are a lot of are you readies. You have, those are things you need to be thinking about. You know, we're living in a time, in this present time today, it's not going to get any better. Don't think, oh, we're going to have peace. No, read your Bible. You know it's going, it's going downhill. And we just need to keep praying for those who are lost. For the disciples, Jesus knew what was ahead of them. Not their best life 
but a life of suffering. And as we have read the Bible and study, we've seen what those disciples have gone through. It was not a bed of roses. It was a lot of suffering. Something to think about. Are we ready to go in that direction when the time comes? Are you ready to um, suffer for Christ? So we have touched on self-denying, cross-bearing, and now we're going to look at the third one, which is life-saving. So if you clutch your life wholly to yourself, protecting it against all others, asserting all your rights, needs, and privileges, you lose it because it isn't life any longer. But you know, as Christians, how many times we say, oh, I have rights, and I know I go there too, but we don't have rights. We really don't. We belong to a God who saved us. We don't have rights as Christians. If, however, you acknowledge that life is not yours by right, that all is privileged, and that is to be lived in the love that the gospel story reveals. And the gospel is true, and it's what? What we learn about the gospel. Whenever we study the Bible, it's not a story. Huh? History, yeah. So we know it's all truth. Nothing is the gospel. Nothing in the Bible is a story. It's all truth. Absolute truth. <clears throat> Supposing you gain all the world's riches and lose the inner freedom of loving and being loved by God, what then? So we have seen the three steps to life that Jesus has offered us. Self-denying. These are things you want to think about. Cross-bearing and life-saving. How are you going to live your life when you have, after you heard these things? Is it something you want to think about, or is it something you're going to say, God, please show me how to live for you? As Christians, you know, yeah, I'm saved, I'm good to go. We're not good to go. There's so much to learn. You know, th as we study the Bible every week, whether it's Sunday or during the week, we come to Bible study, we've learned more and more. And even though we may have studied that book before, and it's our second or third time studying the book, we're learning more new things. And I just want to encourage you, don't give up on studying the Word of God. Don't be one of those Christians that sit on Sunday and thinking, I'm good to go. When there's, during the week in your church, there may be things that are offering for you to come and study the Bible. Or get into someone who, who can mentor you and disciple you. We all need each other. We need to be in the Word. We should be committed to our local church and be faithful. That is what a Christian is all about, coming and being among other believers so we can influence each other's life. It's not party time. We can have fun, but it is to study God's word and fellowship with one another, like we're doing today. And I just want to encourage you ladies, you know, find someone who can mentor you. Find someone that can have a Bible study with you. Find out if there's a Bible study during the week. Grow. You need to grow. We, are not, we were not safe to sit down and be stagnant. 
okay, I'll just come to church on Sunday and that'll be it. That's not what God saved us for. He wants us to grow in his word. And I want to encourage you to do that. Um, I want to close with a quote here. It's this by Matthew Henry. <clears throat> the 17th century writer, Matthew Henry, describes this. Are we invited by the words and works of Christ to follow him? Let us sit down and count the cost. Whether we can prefer our advantages by Christ before life itself, whether we can bear to think of losing our life for Christ's sake and the Gospels, when the devil is drawing away disciples and servants after him, he conceals the worst of it, tells them only of the pleasure, but nothing of the peril of his service, but what there is of trouble and danger in the service of Christ, he tells us of it before, tells us we shall suffer, perhaps we shall die in the cause and represents the discouragements not less but greater than commonly they prove, that it may appear he deals fairly with us and is not afraid that we should know the worst because the advantages of his service abundantly surface to balance discouragements if we will but impartially set the one over against each other. We must be willing to stand up and be counted with Jesus, the Jesus who is rejected by the world, knowing that we too will be rejected in many ways. That's taking up one's cross. It is to embrace the fact that being a Christian will mean loss, suffering, maybe even ridiculed, possibly even death for Jesus' sake. And we have to be prepared. We have no clue what we're going to face. So I want to close with this, and then Mary will come up and close. But let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we come before you, Lord, and we thank you for this time. Lord, it is difficult um, as Christians to understand that we do have to deny ourselves. We have to bear that cross. And Lord God, we, we really need to look up. We really need to stand for you and just know that um, for your sake, Lord, that when we lose life for your sake, we find it. Lord, we thank you that, God, you're the one that's saved, that, um, Father, you're the one that calls us. It's not about us. It's about you, Lord, doing that work in our lives. And, Father, I thank you. I thank you for these women. I thank you, Lord God, for drawing them here. I pray, Lord, that your word, Lord, has pierced our heart and draw us closer to you. So, Lord, we thank you. We give you glory. We honor your name. In Christ's name, amen.